So last week, Pastor started by talking about the Word. I think that's a good place to start, don't you? The Word was in the beginning. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Should I tell them my assignment? Oh, okay. Well, when we when Pastor talked to me about going back to the basics, um, one thing he wanted me to cover was the nature of God as revealed in the Word. So, because that's basic. That's basic. So. Um, as I thought on this, um, obviously, God as a loving father is revealed all through the Bible, Old Testament to New Testament. So I came across a poem that I want to read first, because this is kind of God as revealed in the Old Testament uh, as a father. Are you ready? Like with Peter, he's there in the midst of the storm. Well, this is New Testament and Old Testament. I know I just said Old Testament, but. Like with Peter, he's there in the midst of the storm. Just call out, he makes all things calm. Like with Moses, he's there when all hope seems lost. Turn to him, you'll make it across. Like with Shadrach, he's there when the heat is on. Walk with him, no loss, no harm. Like with Daniel, he's there when the lions roar. Be at peace, try not to snore. Like with Silas, he's there in the prison cell. Simply praise him. Wow, that went well. Like with Paul, he's there when they persecute. Focus on him, you won't be moved. Like the Gadarene, he's there when you feel like dying. Run to him, demons go flying. Like with Bartimaeus, he's there when all seems dim. Call out his name, you'll see again. Like with David, he's there when you stumble and fall. Just repent, he'll pick you up and restore all. He was there in the beginning, he'll be there in the end. Ooh, that makes me cry. Hold on to him and never pretend. He's with you in thick and with you in thin. He loves you more fully than you can comprehend. Wherever you wander or home in your bed, he'll never forsake you or leave you orphaned. He wants you successful. You're his beloved. And that never changes. He meant what he said. In good times and bad times, you're still his kid. He'll never disown you. What kind of dad do you think he is? So never again wonder, never doubt in your head. He'll love you forever with a love without end. All right. So one thing about the word and God is that they both are unchanging and eternal. God never changes and the word never changes. And it lasts forever. Now, we see that in Jesus because the Bible tells us Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? Jesus never changes, and Jesus is the Word, right? Jesus is the living Word. He's the Word that became flesh. John chapter 1 tells us that. So, for the rest of the message, I really want to talk about, um, as I went to the Word, to cover this huge topic about the nature of God as revealed in the Word, I really wanted to focus on what Jesus had to say. Because he is the word. And he came to show us the Father. One thing I found out right away as I started to study was, this is amazing to me, but the exclusive way, meaning only, right? The only way Jesus referred to God was Father. You don't hear him saying Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha. None of those. He only said, Father. So, that's what I'm going to talk to you about tonight. I'm going to talk to you about how the Word came to show us the Father. 
In John chapter 14, Jesus is talking to the disciples. First, I'm going to prove to you that he came to show us the Father. Because in John chapter 14, verse 9, Philip says to Jesus, show us the Father. And Jesus says to Philip, Philip, have I been with you so long that you can't tell the Father is in me and I'm in the Father? He says, he who has seen me has seen the Father. John 14, 9, he who has seen me has seen the Father. So if you want to know what the Father is like, look at Jesus. Everything Jesus did, God would do. If Jesus didn't do it, God wouldn't do it. So if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. He came. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, he said. Colossians 1.15 tells us that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He's the exact likeness of the unseen God. John chapter 1 and verse 18 says, No one has seen God at any time, but the only begotten Son, he has declared him. So Jesus came to tell us all about the Father. In Hebrews 1, verses 2 and 3, it says that God's Son is the express image of his person. So again, what Jesus did is what God would do. If Jesus didn't do it, God wouldn't do it. I say that because there's so much discrepancy in the world today about what Jesus would do and what he, or God, what God will do. What would God do? You know, does he make people sick? Does he break their cars? You know what I'm saying? Things like that just to teach you a lesson. Well, did Jesus do that? If you don't see Jesus doing it, God wouldn't do it because Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. He's the exact image of the father. And with that, I just want to point out that Jesus never hurt anyone. If he would have hurt someone, somebody would have wrote about it. You know what I'm saying? And Jesus never hurt anyone, which means neither does God. Neither does God. And side note, Jesus is the word, so the word never hurts anyone either. Sometimes we're afraid to speak the word to people because we think it might be too harsh. But Jesus was, he never hurt anyone. So the word will never hurt anyone. See, that's a lie of the devil to get us not to speak the word. Because it's the word, the Bible tells us, that the truth will set people free. And your word is truth, right? We're set apart, sanctified by the truth. And your, the, your word is truth. So the word is so powerful. Jesus, the word is so powerful. And so we can't accept any lie that, well, I don't want to speak the word to them. Um, it'll be too harsh. It'll hurt them. No, the word doesn't hurt them. The devil comes to hurt them, to twist the word and hurt them. But Jesus and the word never hurts anybody. Okay. Amen. Next, I want to just go through some verses. Um, you can write them down if you want. About what Jesus said about the father. What he specifically said about the father. In John 10, 15, he said, my father knows me. So if God is your father, you can relate to these, okay? So God knows you. John chapter 10, 15, your father knows you. John 10, 29, my father is greater than all. You know that little argument, my dad's bigger than your dad. My dad can beat up your dad. Well, my father is greater than all, Jesus said. So, you know, there's a, there's a verse in Psalms, and I forget which chapter it is now. I have to look it back up, but um, there's a verse in Psalms in the message translation that says God is king of the mountain. And I just love that because if you've got a mountain in your life, God is still king of that mountain. So my father is greater than all. John 10 verse 30, I and my father are one. Luke 6, 35 and 36, 
the Father is merciful. Matthew 7, 11, the Father knows how to give good gifts. Matthew 6, 1, the Father sees you. Matthew 6, 1, the Father rewards you. He sees you and he rewards you. Matthew 8, 28, the Father teaches me, sends me, is with me, and never leaves me alone. That's comforting. Luke 12, 29 through 30, the Father knows what you need. Matthew 18, 14, it's not the Father's will that any little ones perish. Matthew 26, 53, do you think that I cannot now pray my Father and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? (laughs) I like that one. (laughs) Do you think that I cannot pray right now and my Father will give me what I need? That's what he's saying. More than what I need. 12 legions of angels? A legion is 6,000. But I mean, I think that word 12 just means complete. You know, everything that I'm going to need to win. John 12, 41, the Father hears me. John 14, 10, the Father dwells in me. John 3, 35, the Father loves the Son. The Father loves the Son. Jesus kind of had a twofold purpose in that he came to show us the Father, but then he also showed us what a Son of God looked like talked like, walked like, lived like, because he was the son of God, right? So I want to talk about this a little bit too, because you can't talk about a father without a son. You don't have a father without a son. You understand what I'm saying? So they go together to talk about a father. You have to talk about a son, right? So John 1, 12 says, aren't you glad you're in Bible school tonight? But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Remember this verse, I'm going to come back to it. John 5:19. A son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do. Think about children. Everything they do is because they've seen it. Right? And this says a son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, the son does in like manner. That makes fathers, if I were a father right there, I'd be seriously thinking. Because your son, your children are going to do whatever you do. Fathers. Whatever you do, your children will do in like manner. (laughs) Verse 20 of that of John 5 says, For the father loves the son. And shows him all things that he himself does. So when you have a good father, he's going to show you everything he does so you can live just like him. Right? Don't you want to teach your children everything good that you've learned in life so that they can live that way? Yeah, that's how the father is. John 14, 31. But that the world may know that I love the father. And as the father has given me commandment, so I do. The reason I'm talking about this is because we know we're sons of God. So there's a certain way sons of God should act. And Jesus came to show us this. He came to show us how we can act. It says, but that the world may know that I love the Father. And as the Father has given me commandment, so I do. 
In the Amplified Version, it says it this way. I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know and be convinced that I love the Father. Right? Don't we do what he tells us because we love him? Not because it's the law. Or we shouldn't. It's because we love him. In the message translation, it says this. So the world will know how thoroughly I love the Father. I am carrying out my Father's instructions right down to the last detail. Isn't that good? John 5, 36. The works which the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I do, bear witness of me. I want to point this out because it says the works which the Father has given me to finish, the very works I do. What we should be doing are the works that the Father's given us to do. Those, are the, those should be the same, right? John eight twenty eight. I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me, I speak these things. I always do those things that please him. What pleases God? What? Faith. Faith, yeah. Faith pleases God. The Bible says, which faith has obedience. So you are all right. But yeah, faith pleases him. So what pleases him? Faith. Faith in what? Him telling us what to do and then us doing it. That pleases him. And Jesus said, I do nothing of myself, but as my father taught me. He's not going to ask you to do anything he hadn't taught you. John 8, 38 says, I speak what I have seen with my father, but you do what you have seen with your father. Remember this passage? This was not a pretty passage. In verse 41, he says to the people he's talking to, you do the deeds of your father. And they say, you know, well, you know, Abraham's our father. He's like, no, if you were Abraham's seed, you'd do what Abraham did. And then he says, and if God were your father, you would love me because I proceeded from the father. Now let's take this. And put the word in there. Let's change it. If God were your father, you would love the word. Because I proceeded from the father. And then he says, you are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. Right? So you want to do the desires of your father. But it's important who you think your father is. (laughs) Matthew 12, 50 says... Whoever does, this is Jesus speaking, whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother, sister, mother. It's not just anyone who, remember Jesus said, not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord, one or the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father. Why is that? Because it's whoever does the will of my Father is my brother. So that makes them a child of God. If you're, you see what I'm saying? So we have to do the will of your Father. I remember thinking this when Pastor was preaching on Father's Day. Remember that message he did on Father's Day about follow me? And he was talking about the people he's followed. And, you know, it's almost like you have a choice of who your father's going to be. You know what I mean? Because it's whoever's will you're going to do. Although your father is by birth. So you should be... That's why Jesus came to show us how a child of God is to act. Because you still have a choice of what you're going to do. First John 4, 7, and 8. Remember that children's song? First John 4, 7, and 8. Yeah. Love is of God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. So if you're a child of God, if you're born of God, you love. Well, if you're born of God and know God. Because then it goes on to say, who, who, he who does not love does not know God. So you might, be able to, you might be born of God but still not know him. Is that possible? I don't know. It says he who doesn't, he who is born, he who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. 
First John 3, 9 and 10 says, Whoever has been born of God does not sin. Whoa, what? Whoever has been born of God does not sin. For God's seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest or revealed, apparent. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. Yeah, those are heavy. I mean, because this is who we are supposed to be. If we have been born of God, then we should be loving one another, all the brothers and sisters in Christ, and we should be practicing righteousness. That's what it means because it should bother the seed in you to sin because it's not who you are. It goes against your grain. It goes against your nature. It should bother you because his seed is still in you. All right. So there we have Jesus came to show us the father. So we see the father in Jesus, but Jesus also shows us how to be a son, a child of God, right? This is where it starts to get good. All right. So sons have rights and privileges, right? So if you're a son of God, you got some major rights and privileges, right? Um, Hebrews 1.5 says, to which of the angels did he ever say, you're my son? None. They don't get to be sons. We get to be sons. That's a privilege. The angels don't get to be sons. You are my son, today I have begotten you. Or, to which of the angels did he say, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son? They don't get that either. We get that. In Ephesians three fourteen and 15, it says, The father of Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family of heaven and earth is named. Yes. We're in his family. Man. I mean, I know we know this. I mean, I know you've heard of this, but tonight I want you to get to know this, like really deeply know this. Because that's the thing about the basics is to become a master, you have to master the basics, right? That's the golf, the masters, all of that. You have to master the basics. So you can't sit here tonight. If, If you sit here tonight and you say, she didn't say nothing, I don't know, you missed it. Because God has something to tell you tonight. And there's something in the basics you may not know. So just hang in there. Focus. So it says the whole family of earth and heaven. So that's us. Family, the word family means of paternal descent. That means coming from your dad. Because pater, paternal descent, pater is the word for father. Okay? And family, which is patria, is a derivative of father. Is that me? Okay? So the word family actually comes from the word father. Make sense? All right. Hebrews 1.8. But to the son, he says, to the son, these are rights and privileges, he says, not angels, sons, your throne is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. To which of the angels, now I'm in verse 13, did he ever say, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? Never. Didn't say it to one angel. You know, there's such a, um, 
in the day we live in right now, there's such a war on, I'm saved, I can do whatever I want. You know what I mean? There's such a war on, well, I don't have to, like, what do I have to do? See, when you get into the argument of what I have to do, you just missed it. Because we live out of who we are. And as sons, we act certain way. We act like our father. We do what our father tells us to do, just like Jesus. And then we have great success and freedom and we free others, right? So that's why the, the devil is trying to keep concealed who we really are and what's really ours and what we can do. And when we get into this argument about what we have, well, I don't have to. No, that's, that's not even the argument to be had. The devil has completely distracted you, diverted your attention from the main point. Isn't that just like him? He gets you on a tangent. It's not even the main point. He's getting you on something that's not even an argument. That is not even an argument. So don't argue with people about that. It's, so, it's stupid. Be a son. Do you hear me say that? Be a son. Just be a son. Reflect your father. Sons look just like their dads. Act just like your dad. They act just like their dads. I mean, when my son acts just like his husband, I mean, my husband, I get upset. <laughs> That's why it's so important, fathers, that you be good. Be good fathers. All right. Hebrews chapter 3. And I'm going to turn this one in my Bible. Hebrews chapter 3. Verses 1 through 6, but I'm not going to read them. In verse 6, it says, it's talking about Moses and how Moses was faithful to God as a servant. But then it talks about, but Christ was faithful as a son over his own house, whose house we are. And that word house, again, means family. It means household. We're God's household. And Jesus was faithful over that household, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope. What hope? That we're sons of God. To the end, we are sons of God. There's rejoicing in that. There's confidence in that. We are sons of God. I haven't even gotten to the really good part yet. I'm just building. I'm just building. All right. Well, when you keep going through these verses... Um, it goes on to talk, I mean, right after this talking about Christ was faithful as a son and not a servant because Christ was the first son, right? Firstborn. It says, so then it goes on to say, don't harden your hearts as in the rebellion. They want, because he wanted them to enter his rest. God wanted his people to enter his rest, right? All right. So there's a rest that remains to be taken. The Bible tells us, and the people did not enter into his rest because of one thing. One thing only, unbelief. Unbelief. It's so important that we believe that we are sons of God. Because there's a rest that remains for sons, for sons of God. Okay. And then we know all these people that went before us, like people I even read in that poem, they all died, not all of them, because New Testament, but old, all the Old Testament people that went before us, doing, being in faith, doing what God told them to do, being obedient, they died in faith having not received the promise. What promise? That they would be sons. They did not get to be sons. That only came through the new birth. That's what's available to us. It's a privilege. It's a privilege. And guess what? It's something we inherit. We don't even have to work for it, pay for it, buy into it. 
we only have to believe it. Isn't that awesome? I mean, I love that verse in Romans where Jesus, where God says that so that the promise would be guaranteed to all the seed, it was by faith. Because anyone can believe. So it could be guaranteed. I love that the promise is guaranteed by faith. Because there were some of us that would never have been good enough. We would have never, I mean, none of us would have been good enough, but you know, some of us, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you know, we wouldn't have, we, we, there's no way we could have done enough. But believe, any of us can do. And that promise is guaranteed. And it's inherited. By promise, not by law. That's what it continues to say. So if you have time, you should read through Hebrews 3. All right? And then we see in our Bible that we received the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit was a guarantee of our inheritance. That's Ephesians 1.14. So there's not one person in here who's filled with the Holy Spirit that speaks in tongues can say can get depressed enough to think that God isn't with you. Pray in tongues. He's in you. You can't do that on your own. God is in you. It's proof that he's in you. And it's a proof of all of your inheritance. The Holy Spirit was like a down payment of what was going to become yours. Oh, all right. So we inherit salvation. Hebrews 1, 14, I think says that. It says that we, the ministering spirits, are sent forth angels to minister for those who will inherit salvation. They don't even inherit salvation. We do. That's a privilege of sons, right? And of course, we know that because any of you who've received an inheritance or wish to receive an inheritance, it usually comes through a family member, right? Yeah, we receive inheritances by our family line, right? Okay. So good. All right. So, I want to go over this word inheritance real quick before I go into this next part. In the Old Testament, the word inheritance was the same word for, like, possession. Remember when, G- when um, God told the Israelites to t- take the promised land? Take it as their possession. Possess the land, right? Well, that possess was, like, take by force, right? It was inherit by force, by warfare, okay? But once, this is so awesome, once the Israelites possessed the promised land, you never see the term that's used for inheritance or possession. You no longer, the, the word for inheritance or possession that refers to territory by warfare, you never see it again. So once it was possessed, the word for inheritance, once possession had, possession had been taken of the land, the legal process came into operation. Which meant it was passed on in your family. So once possession by, by warfare, by force, was taken, you never see that word for inheritance ever again in the Old Testament. It never, you never see it again. The word for inheritance now is like a legal term meaning passed on family. Can you see what that means like when Jesus did what he did? <laughs> okay. So it became a permanent possession. A permanent possession. Now let me read Ephesians 1, 17 through 20 to you. Paul's praying and he says that God, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I'll include as Father. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. And I'll add, to be sons. 
What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And I'll add, as sons. What is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? I'll add, only believe. According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Okay. Pastor did a great job last week talking about the word. But here are some more basics about the word. We know the word is seed. Right? Right? The Bible says the sower sows the word. Jesus told us the word is seed. Right? First Peter 2.23 says, let's turn there. Or 123, let me look. First Peter 1.23, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. So we're born again of incorruptible seed. And that seed is the word of God. So the word of God is seed. Seed of what? God. So remember when the angel came to Mary and said, you're going to have a son? And she said, according to your word, be it unto me. That word went in, right? Went in and it was seed. It went, the word was seed, right? It was seed and it produced. The word became flesh. So the word that you receive will become flesh. Meaning it will appear where we live. Does that make sense? So you have to receive the word. It's so ultimate. God sent his word to heal us and deliver us. Psalm 1720, 1720. He sent his word to heal us and deliver us. Jesus was the word. And through Jesus, he healed us and delivered us. Right? God loves us so much. So when it says... That you may have the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him as your father. Think about him as your father. Jesus only talked about him as the father, which means he wants us to understand he's a father. The eyes of your understanding be enlightened that you may know what's the hope of his calling. That you be just like him. That you be sons operating like he operates with his seed in you. Isn't that what makes a father a father? You have an offspring, and that offspring has you in him. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? What is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead? So the promise was that we would be sons. Here's where I think maybe we've forgotten the simplicity of this. The promise was that we would be sons actually, not figuratively. (laughs) This verse in Ephesians 1 tells us who we are. We're sons. What we have, the riches of the glory of inheritance as sons, and what we can do through the greatness of his power that's in us, because his seed, his word, his seed is in us. Jesus opened the way for God to become our father actually. Not just our creator, 
but that his word, that incorruptible seed, we could be born again. The Latin word for father is actually like generator. And we've been regenerated, right? This is so important because when Jesus prayed before he went to the cross in John 17, he said things like, I have manifested your name to the men you've given me. What name? He only called God Father. That's it. That's all he ever said. And then in verse 25, he says, Oh, righteous Father. By the way, when the disciples came and said, How should we pray? He said, Pray this way. Our Father. And every time you see Jesus pray, every single time, it doesn't matter if it was in the garden, it doesn't matter if it's John 17, it doesn't matter if it was Lazarus' tomb, he always said, Father. He always started out with Father. And in verse 25 of John 17, he says, Oh, righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you. Doesn't that remind you of John chapter 1, that he came into the world and the world did not know him? Though they were made by him? The world has not known you, but I have known you. And I have declared to them your name. What name? Father. And I will declare it that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. So many people have seen God as almighty God and all these things, but they haven't seen the love of the Father. The love of a Father. Remember Jesus said, if you know how to give your kids good gifts, how much more your Heavenly Father? I mean, seriously, he's perfect. He knows what we need. He's the best father. He's our only example of a good father. That's how we learn to be fathers. He says, I will declare it that the love which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. And in John 16, he said, the time is coming. He's like, he's telling his disciples, the time is coming when I will tell you plainly about the father. So even though everything he ever said was about the Father, he still hadn't told them everything. He said, the time is coming when I will tell you of the Father. (laughs) I just so want to get to this verse. John chapter 20. So, Jesus dies. Comes out of the tomb, appears to Mary Magdalene, and says this. Verse 17. Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren, brothers, go to my brothers, go to my brothers, and tell them, I'm ascending to my father and your father. Because until this moment, he couldn't be our father. Everything Jesus said about God the Father was coming. Because we had to have, we had to have that word. Listen, if Jesus does not come out of the grave. If Jesus doesn't come out of the grave, the word is dead. The word is dead. He's the living word. If the word is dead, we're not born again. If the word is dead, there's no power in the word. There's no power in Jesus. There's no healing in it. There's no life in it. If the word is dead, we can't have faith. But the word's not dead. (laughs) He lives 
lives and abides forever. He lives and abides forever. When Je- and this, this was the part that made me cry today, Summer. When Jesus died, his mind, his will, his body were completely rendered useless. Useless. He could do nothing. But the word was in him. <laughs> the seed was in him. The God, God was in him through the seed. God was in him. And that seed, that word, that word alone that was in Jesus began to war in the grave on his behalf. There was a battle in the grave between the word, which was God, and the devil. <laughs> Cling to the word. Only believe the word will work and win on your behalf. The reason this made me cry because I, you know, those times you try so hard, so hard to, to get what God has said is yours. But Jesus's mind, will, and body were rendered completely useless. And the word won for him. The word that was in him won for him. Thank you, God. And once, once Jesus won, took possession of the kings, took the power from the one who had the power, the war was over. It was absolutely over. And it's ours by inheritance. It's ours by inheritance. Now we are born of God. God, the reason, how do I write that in here? The reason Jesus came to plainly tell us about the Father was because he was about to make God our Father in reality. His seed was going to come in us. We were going to be born again by incorruptible seed, by the Word of God. So he didn't have to talk about the healer. He didn't have to talk about the provider. Because he only had to talk about the Father. If we recognize the Father, that we are children of God, that he is in us, he's in us. He's in us. Everything my dad is, is in me. I have his genes, his DNA. Everything he is. And now that I'm a child of the Most High God, everything God is and has and can do is in me. It's in me. We're children of God. So when we talk about the Father, it's not just, oh, he's a good father. It's, no, he's actually my father. Like, In reality, Jesus, what Jesus did made God my father. And when he came out of the grave, he couldn't wait. Tell my brothers, I'm going to my father and your father. (laughs) I just love it. That's the first thing he reportedly said. Is your, I mean, you got it? You got that? It's just, I'm just, oh man. And it's. It's just so good. I just, God loves us. He doesn't need our help except for us to believe that of who we are, who we are, what is ours, and what that can accomplish. The greatness of his power that will work for us. I love that Hebrews calls it the, the word of his power, not the power of his word. Do you know what I mean? It's the word of his power. And when that word, when you receive the word, and that word goes in you, remember, it's implanted and grafted in you, it will manifest exactly. The word never returns void, Isaiah 55. Look at Jesus. 
The word, Jesus was not going to return to God void. The word, he was the word. Just like Jesus couldn't have died and stayed dead. Because the word was working. I mean, there was no chance. No chance in hell. (laughs) That it was going to happen. There was no chance. I mean, there was no chance he was going to win. None. Because God had spoken. He had spoken in Genesis. Her seed will bruise your head. He had spoken it. The word was spoken. And that word was working in Jesus in the grave. That's why it's so important that we give up this life. That we exchange our life for his life. It's so that it can work for us. That we can die. I love that the Bible says that Jesus said in John, he said, it's time for the son to be glorified. And then he went into this crazy story about a seed. And if the seed doesn't die, then it can't produce much fruit. And that's what he did. He brought many sons to glory. Oh, man. It's just so good what he did. And his word, if we can understand this thing about the father and the word and the seed. Now when you hear the word, I don't know about you, but I rush to believe it. Because I want that, that word working and producing what it said it would do in my life. I want everything that's mine. I want all my inheritance. I'm a son. I want it all. I want it all. I want everything that belongs to me. And the only way the devil can keep it from you is for you to not realize you are a son. And by son, that means God's seed is in you. It's in you. It's not out here somewhere. It's in you. And if you'll just keep believing, it will manifest in your life. That's why Jesus said it was so important to do the commandments. I love him. I do the commandments. I I do the commandments, which proves I love God, and it manifests. God manifests, right? Because we love him. We do his commandments, which is his word. We just, see, this whole argument, remember what I was talking about, about what we have to do, is completely to get you focused off what the word is and what the word can do. Because it's just take the word, do the word, be successful. Walk as God walks. Children of the Most High God. Wow. So he's our father. You're his child. Amen. I was, um, I don't know if I want to do this or not. I wanted to end with a song tonight because, you know, songs just mean so much to me. When I hear it in song form. And, um. Maybe, can, can you just listen to a song with this understanding? Can you listen to a song just for a little bit? All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have the sound team play a song that I gave them earlier today. Because I just, when I heard this song, I just played it on my phone as I was thinking over this message. And it just blessed me. So I just want it to bless you. Amen? Can we play that? Has he overcome? When that word came, when that word won, when when God won, see, God never questioned it. He had already spoken it. He knew the end from the beginning. He had spoken it and it was gonna happen. His like, did you hear that one line that his perfect love could not be overcome? It could not be overcome. They, they couldn't, death could not hold him down. Death could not keep that word from working. It could not. It could not. 
And Romans, I just want to finish with this. Romans 15, 13 says, may the God of hope, confident expectation, fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope, confident expectation by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. It's the spirit of the word. The word and the spirit always agree. And the word and the spirit will work together to confirm the word in your life. And you've been born again of the word of God. You are destined for victory every time. Because the word cannot fail. Amen. You cannot fail. You are born of the word. You are born of God. The word was God. You are born of God. Amen. Amen.